365 letters. I wrote you every day for a year. You wrote me? Yes. It wasn't over. It still isn't over. That's right, Ryan Gosdog. It's not over. And the Frothcast is back. Yeah, baby. With a two-year radical sabbatical, it brings me so much pleasure to say aloha, wasabi, and greetings from the North Shore. Welcome back to The Frothcast, a podcast about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Hendo, and this is episode five. This episode features Frothcast updates along with my emergence from Hermitude, the latest scoop on the band's Triple Crown of Surfing, my top five favorite LA pizzas, and a few other surprises that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Uh, Let's go. This episode is brought to you by my favorite headwear brand of all time. That's right, the Ampall Creative. They're gonna give you listeners 20% off your next purchase. Head over to theampallcreative.com, that's A-M-P-A-L, and just type in all caps, FROTHCAST20, that's 2-0 at checkout. 20% off for a limited time only. The Ampall Creative, distinguished goods for lovers of the outdoors and roads less traveled. Hello, and what is up? I feel like that might be a more PC thing to say in these tension-charged, polarized times of 2020. Maybe I'll just be a super Mark Norman normal guy from now on and not speak in any freakish Indonesian tongues. Like, hello, sir. How are you today? I am fine, thank you, sir. I don't say froth anymore. I say... I am so excited that I feel like a canis lupus familiaris in a state of evolution. And I don't say myrtle anymore either. I say, that is a physically attractive human that my eyes appear to be seeing in the distance of my current plane. Imagine that. Where's the fun guy? The tension has been so high in America that it often feels like Walking on eggshells. I'm walking on eggshells. And don't feel good. Tough time to do comedy with tension as ripe as a silent but deadly Brussels sprout waft. Pungent. Kind of one of the reasons I stepped away from social media and Instagrizzler for a bit as well. But guess what, my friends? 2020 just got better, and the weight has been momentarily lifted. No, not because the Frothcast is back, but mainly because we got a new president-elect in Joe Biden and the first-ever female vice president-elect in Kamala Harris, also the first vice president of Black and South Asian descent. Amazing things. Congratulations. Although... 
These results came after what can only be described as a long-awaited election. 2,000 years later. The day they were elective was a relieving and seriously joyous day. So happy to see people dancing in the streets and just enjoying that moment. Let's just say I'm feeling relieved, inspired, and my hermitude, my slumber, and my sabbatical of 2020 is over, motherfuckers. Join me in a little positive affirmation namaste vibes and join me in saying the following. Om. I am done with feeling the weight of the world. I am done feeling frustrated. I am done pointing fingers, wanting people to do more, wanting people to do less. And I am done feeling divided. I walk through this life with peace, love, good vibes, and plenty of froth. May you be happy. May you be healthy. And may you feel peace. Namaste. All right, enough with the sap. And now on to the crap. It brings me much joy to be chatting with you from none other than the North Shore. Well, I'm going to Hawaii to surf the big waves on the North Shore. Like those before him, Rick Kane cannot resist it. Welcome to Pipeline. You got any pointers? When the wave breaks here, don't be there. This is the North Shore. Classic movie trailer. If you have not seen the movie called North Shore, seriously, do yourself a favor and check it out. So yes, we are recording live here at Hawaii Workshop in Wailua, just a little bit away from Haleiwa on the North Shore of Oahu in Hawaii, in the United States, in the universe, in the world, in the galaxy, Milky Way, whatever you want to call it. This is a fantastic spot. Thank you, Vicky and Trini, for having me here. It's basically like a WeWork space in Wailua. Wailua Sugar Mill is kind of where most of the shapers are here on the North Shore. You got Paisel, Arakawa, you got a couple other legends out here. This is where boards are made that then go on to be underneath the feet of the true professionals, shoving them in, knifing them into those North Shore classic insane barrels possibly getting spit out and doing an aerial turn, clapping on the beach and winning a world title. This is where it all happens. So shout out to Hawaii Workshop. If you're looking for a little bit of a office space to get some stuff done, very productive spot. They are abiding by COVID rules, so it's kind of limited capacity at the moment. And a massive shout out to Sean Wingate for putting me up, your aloha, and for the epic grinds. Thank you so much. Also, shout out to Bruin Foam. Rema, my homie's old coffee shop. I got a little ice latte here. Vanilla with the manatee milk, of course. Delicious. And now we are fighting for the rights of the manatees. Of course, that's another story. But on with the show. So... Way more than just a classic surf movie, the North Shore is so much more. It's the literal proving grounds, the mecca, the epicenter of surfing's past, present, and future. Chalk full of some of the best waves, 
the best surfers, and rich with surf history. The North Shore is more legendary than Augusta National, Wrigley Field, and Stonehenge combined. It truly is a special place to me and so many others. So firstly, I'd like to thank the locals and the land, the Aina of Hawaii for having me here. And I'd like to acknowledge that I'm recording this on the ancestral lands of the native Hawaiian people, the Kanaka Oivi, Kanaka Maoli, and Hawaii Maoli. Mahalo nui loa. As you may or may not know, but as of October 15th, Hawaii is open for trans-Pacific travel. If you plan on traveling to Hawaii, please do check out hawaiicovid19.com and abide by their COVID-19 protocols. In addition to minimizing the spread, please support local Hawaiian businesses, shapers, ding repair, poke masters, and bring respect and good vibes. I tell you what, I had a brand new board. Thank you very much, Danny Woodruff of Lost. I got a new Subdriver 2.0, and the next day after the flight, I opened my bag, and guess what happened? Busted stick. That's right. There was a little tap dance party on the nose of my surfboard. I'm not blaming anybody, but um, I got hooked up with Jim Porteous out here. He's fixing it, and I'm excited to ride that thing. So thank you to all those involved. Can't wait to try that bad boy at Gums Poops Beach Park. Maybe a little Rockies. You guys know me. I'm a small wave warrior fun guy, you know. So then why the heck am I on the North Shore? Well, you know what, guys? I've done a whole lot of nada this year. I was living in Silver Lake, going on walks every day, not surfing too much. And I decided I'm going to take a little break from the mainland. I'm going to take a break from L.A. and go to Hawaii for a bit and surf, get my mind right and figure out my next moves. With that being said, this would have been my lucky 13th year of working the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing. And it just didn't seem right not to be out here if it's going on or not. It would also have marked the 36th year of the truly iconic event series in the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing. The event is as old as I am. Unfortunately, with the continued COVID pandemic, the Triple Crown will not be running as usual. But the good news is that Vans has decided to take the tradition online and this year's Triple Crown will be in digital format. We're talking the World Wide Web, Cyber Sarfin. Here is a direct quote from VansTripleCrown.com. For the past 35 years, the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing has been one of the most significant sporting series in the surf world. This December, Vans Triple Crown of Surfing returns to Hawaii as a specially sanctioned digital competition following the Pipe Masters event and running for a month-long contest window through January of 2021. Best waves submitted for Haleiwa, Sunset, and Pipe will crown the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing champions for both men and women. I love that. The main difference is we're going digital and surfing the internet. As a sign of solidarity with our dear friends on the North Shore, we're opening up the contest to anyone and everyone, no matter who you are, how old you are, and what you ride. Hmm. On December 12th, Vans continues its commitment to the community on the North Shore of Oahu, the true lifeblood of the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing, by inviting all men and women to register right here. 
into the digital race for the titles of the Vans Triple Crown of Surfing. So there you have it, dudes and dudettes. I love that. They're bringing the women back. The Triple Crown lives on, and it's incredibly fantastic to see them bringing the women back into the mix. I remember my first couple Triple Crowns, they did have the women. A couple standouts, of course, locals like Coco Ho, Megan Abubo, I think Rochelle Ballard was in the mix. Always fun to see them ripping. Also interesting that they said any person, age or board is available to compete. Uh, no guys, I will not be competing. I don't really compete. I got second place at the YMCA Blacks Invitational and uh, you know what, I'm gonna chalk that up as a win. My dad said I should have won that day. Uh, I kind of got robbed by the judges. I'm still looking for that guy, but um, I don't compete, guys. But hey, if you are an average Joe and you rip, this opens the floodgate for you. This also opens the door for people who rip that may not have had the points to qualify for the Triple Crown back when it was on the QS system. So imagine guys like Clay Marzo from Maui. He comes out here, goes out to Haleiwa, throws down a signature layback on Haleva's left, or maybe Brucey comes back, launching on the right, getting pitted and doing a huge off the lip at the toilet bowl section. Since what you ride is also not a factor, I'm thinking of style legends like Leah Dawson, shout out to her, or she is one of the most steezy surfers out at Rockies. Imagine her at sunset cutting some beautiful signature lines and just making the wave look like art. So that means any board, anyone, and it also says any age. Since age isn't a factor, hell, I'd be over the moon to see guys like Sean Briley, Jerry Lopez, or Michael Ho post clips charging pipe backdoor while retaining their timeless style. Do you guys remember Sean Briley? I remember it was like in the Tim Curran video, either Faces or Tim Curran here and now. In the intro section, Millen Cullen playing on the soundtrack, Sean Briley pulls into a pipe closeout barrel, humongous, scary. We're like, he's not coming out, no way. Comes out, does the whole flip off thing with the hand, you know, the not the flip off, but with the shoulder and the elbow raised and all that. Supposedly, um, I think after that wave, he said mad skills and walked away from pipe for the time being. I don't know the true validity of that story, but that's the rumor. And I would love to see guys like Sean Briley charging pipe and winning the online competition for it. That would be sick. So this could all be very exciting. Let's see what unfolds. Looking back at the traditional Triple Crown, I remember coming out here for the first time in 2008. I was a ripe 24-year-old Grom working the Triple Crown with way too long of camouflage cargo shorts, starry-eyed as I witnessed the Pipe Masters final featuring none other than Kelly and Wardo, two of my favorite surfers of all time. And if that wasn't enough, it was in chocolate barreling pipe and backdoor. Remember chocolate barrels? That year was interesting. I don't know if the runoff affected it, but oh, it looks like chocolate milk. You could just go pull into a barrel and start drinking your way out. Imagine that, huh? Send me a straw. No, 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 no plastic straws in the ocean for the turtles, right? 
Anyhow, Kelly went on to win his sixth pipe master that year, and we all headed straight to the then Bay Club Bar in Turtle Bay, and uh, we had a couple too many Mai Tais, I would say. Um, I woke up the next day with a massive hangover, a few blurry photos, fanning out with fanning, demo, and a faint memory of skull and beers with some Aussie charger named Hippo, mate. What a hangover indeed. Since then, I would certainly say I've grown a lot. My shorts are now shorter, and I don't tend to fan out as easily, but my love for these events and this island couldn't be any stronger. Let's take a trip down memory lane as I guide you from the Honolulu airport to the first jewel of the Triple Crown. All right, I think we're recording. Insert car shutting door sound here and car starting sound here. Hey guys, I was uh, running some errands over by the airport, so I started thinking, I was like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if I could paint you all a picture of what it's like to drive from the airport to the first jewel of the Triple Crown, better known as Haleiwa, Ali'i Beach Park? Why not? Let's do it. So if you haven't already, check out hawaiicovid19.com. And since October 15th, Hawaii is now open for trans-Pacific travel. Given that you abide by their COVID-19 protocols, sign up for the Safe Travels program. You need to have a negative COVID test result three days prior upon arrival. I would go so far as to say get tested three days before you fly out and also four days after to make sure you didn't pick anything up on the flight. Maybe I'm overly paranoid. I don't know, that's what I did. So you get your negative test result, you land, they scan your QR code, you're in. You got your board, you got your bags, you've changed out of your pants into your shorts and some slippers, hit the road. Take the H1 west to the H2 north. We are now getting off in Wahiwa. Mainly you stop at Maui Mike's and you get a dank chicken sandwich with french fries. And as we are going on this 99 North, we are coming up on the Dole Plantation up on the right, Dole Whip. We are going downhill now and we're coming up to one of the most scenic views that you can get as you enter the North Shore. Here we go, we are now in the gauntlet of these pine trees. There's another sliver of the ocean and you start to see some lines out the back. Oh, this is it, this is the incline, this is the part I love. It hits me every time, no matter how many times I drive this. Something about it that um, you just get this feeling that you're somewhere special and that you're almost close to your North Shore destination. Okay, we are turning into Haliva Town. It has certainly grown over the years. It's a little ukulele shop on the right. We got Cafe Haliva, the Bonzer Front, the Bottle Shop, the Beatbox Cafe, that's the spot. And there is Breakers, which is Benji Weatherly's bar, Wailua Bakery. And on the left, RIP, is what used to be Louis Bueno's. But good news, my friends, they're coming back. 
So as we turn left, we are passing Haleiwa Joe's on the right, another institution. Now we're passing the Haleiwa Harbor. You see a bunch of boats on the right. You can take a shark charter to go check out the sharks. I believe Makua Rothman has one. So support the locals and go take a shark tour with his. And as we enter the actual beach park of Haleiwa, um, I'm just again flooded with a bunch of memories from driving here super early in the morning to driving away here super late at night, the Nerd Cave. The last 13 years here, is a, it's a really cool spot to start the Triple Crown. Haleiwa traditionally is a peak. There is a left, but it seems like most times the better scoring waves are on the right where people do massive carves, hacks, sometimes get barreled, and there is a section on the inside that they call the toilet bowl. All right, so as we get into the parking lot, this is where in the morning we would see athletes, you know, getting their boards out, stretching, getting ready for the start of the day. Actually, one of my favorite memories was being in this parking lot. I had a backpack full of nerd shit and uh, the late and great Andy Irons was scrambling to get a parking spot with his wife, Lindy. And um, I just remember him being like, hey, bro, I gotta make my heat. Like, is there anywhere to park? And I was like, shoots, like, wish I could help you. Um, I guess just park here. And I think that they should definitely cater to you. I mean, you're the king. And I think he got a spot that day and probably ended up winning his heat. You can see the lifeguard tower. I believe some of the locals usually chilled out front of that and watched the event. And they would just root on the locals to take this thing out. If this was a normal year, this would have been the first day of the swell window for the Hawaiian Pro. Yeah, we're gonna see what the waves are doing. Let's check it out. All right, we're down here and the wind is cranking, so I'm standing behind the lifeguard tower. I'm looking out at the waves right now. Not much out there, so I think they would have definitely called it off today, but they would have had the blessing gone down this morning to wish safety on all the surfers and to bless the events to come for the Triple Crown. The Nerd Cave would be set up where there is now nothing on the beach. And we would probably be doing some pre-packages talking about the importance of the Triple Crown, the contenders this year, and who could possibly fall off tour or get on tour. This would be where it all happens. Uh, a couple tourists on the beach enjoying the sun. It's just kind of eerie to be here with none of the signage up, none of the surfers, none of the workers. But uh, that's just the way the year's been, you know? So maybe if some swell comes, when that digital window opens, I'm looking forward to seeing people do their stuff out there. Some of my favorite memories here at Haleiwa, there was a year where Dane Reynolds threw down the layback herd worldwide. He just chucked his fins and landed this crazy layback. Watching Sonny Garcia out there is something unbelievable. And just seeing guys who I didn't know very well coming up, surfing this wave and blowing my mind. Even on small days, there were times where guys would be boosting airs. But it was really all about those big days where it was the rights, where the locals were just dominating because guys who grew up on this wave just kind of know it like so well and they know what those judges are looking to give them those scores. I think there was a year, actually out here was perfect right offshore barrels. And the final was like Michelle Perez with Keikoa, Picasso. I think Joel Santeo was in it as well. And that was really cool because you don't see too many crazy offshore barrel fests. And that was definitely a super memorable one. 
still brings back a lot of really good memories. So stoked to check this out. And if I see anybody, I will ask them what it feels like to not have it running this day. Okay, not too much happening there today. We're now crossing the Rainbow Haliva Bridge. This is about the end of Haliva Town. I'm gonna leave you guys for now with this tour and we're gonna continue it next time in one of the next episodes as we start talking about sunset and pipeline. So thank you guys for joining me on this car ride. You guys have been a lovely shotgun partner. I'm pulling over here to my spot, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the ride. Thanks for joining me and enjoy the rest of the show. Have a good day. Ah, good old Haleiwa, what a trip. Stay tuned here on the Frothcast as I'll be covering stories about why the Triple Crown is so massively important, what a year without a normal Triple Crown feels like, and who will take the wins for this year's digital race. Follow the Frothcast on Instagram at the Frothcast for updates as I feel out the vibes here on the North Shore. Good luck to all the men and women this year. I'll be watching from the shoulder. So, with the pandemic, natural disasters, the loss of many fabled icons, and a nation divided amongst countless other devastations, I think it's safe to say that 2020 obviously hasn't been the best of years. On a personal level, I've had my fair share of roller coaster rides, but with a bit of work and help from others, I'm on the other side now, and it's my hope to bring you with me. If 2020 has taught me anything, Aside from my ability to binge an entire series like The Office and Workaholics, it's that we cannot control the things that happen, but we can control the way that we react to them. In addition to controlling my reactions, the following updates have also proven beneficial in keeping that dopamine flowing. On a side note, when I refer to quarantine moving forward, I'm mainly referencing the safer at home order that was issued in Los Angeles from March 19th onward during what they have now called the first wave. As of writing, the cases continue to worsen in the US and other parts of the world. So unfortunately, there are more quarantines, lockdowns, and stay at home orders. Please do your part by wearing a mask and following protocols. Wishing you all safety, health, and love. And here are my top three tunes from quarantine. Starting back in February with Tame Impala's album entitled The Slow Rush. Yes, that was this year. I'm sure we've all aged 30 years since then. But this album, if you can remember, is one of the few albums from this year that I've played front to back over 30 times. With groovy vibes, pensive lyrics, and an overall epic flow, this album was almost eerily prophetic in a way. Just read the lyrics to the opening track entitled One More Year and try not to shart yourself. Personal standouts on the album include Borderline, Breathe Deeper, Lost in Yesterday, currently playing, and Glimmer. To the Aussie lords of Tame Impala, congratulations, good on ya, Tanya, and thank you for the good vibes. All right, up next at number two, we have Louis Del Mar's album entitled August. These dudes rock. They dropped a few fantastic singles earlier in the year, and then when the track prologue was featured in Take Shelter's Cloud Chase, a mental sarf clip with John John and crew, 
I fell in love with the album. Indie, folk, rock vibes with great lyrics, awesome songwriting. I'm feeling it. Personal favorites include Prologue, The Ceiling, TV, currently playing, and Where Are You Now? Really looking forward to what these dudes do next. And number three on my top three albums of quarantine is, of course, Local Natives EP entitled Sour Lemon. No surprise here that one of my favorite bands yet again put out some great jams this year. Fun fact. So at the end of March, when all this shit was going down, I moved to Silver Lake on Sunset Boulevard right by Night Market. And guess what was just around the corner? That's right. Local Natives old recording studio. So, you know, I fanned out. It's now like a um, doctor's office or something like that. I remember seeing clips of them playing on the roof and people on those Mitchell Terrena stairs going absolutely apeshit. Uh, I hate to say it to myself, but I should have been there yesterday. Honorable mention for music released during quarantine is of course Cut Copy's album entitled Freeze Melt. This wasn't really the indie dance cut copy that we've all come to know and love. It was a little bit more of a dreamy dream synth pop or however you want to call it. I would suggest listening to this album solo on the beach, drinking a michelada and hitting your CBD pen or whatever the hell you like. And there is the music. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. Take Tylenol for any headaches. Might offer any cramps. Okay, so this is a new section. I would love your guys' feedback if you want me to continue it, but let me tell you, quarantine, you're locked inside. It can start to feel like Groundhog Day. Shout out to Bill Murray. Watched that movie, of course, and said, this is like my life right now, right? So with lockdown, you're waking up. Maybe you're making a shitty breakfast. Maybe you're going on a walk after breakfast. Maybe you make a shitty lunch, a shitty dinner, followed by a walk and a walk and a Netflix this and a Netflix that. Let me tell you, I binged quite a few series. Uh, definitely watched all of Ozark, all The Office, Workaholics, Nathan for You. And after a while, I started telling myself, dude, I cannot watch more TV. I normally don't watch TV. I need to start reading some books. And so that's what I did started picking up all these books that had cobwebs on my shelves. And these three books are my favorite three that I have read during the quarantine. So starting with number three, Pipe Dreams by Kelly Slater and some other dude helped him write it. This book has been sitting on my shelf since 2003 and it's decently written, to be honest, but it's fascinating to learn more about Kelly, the Goat King Slater. If you don't do a deep dive on this dude, you might not know where he's from, the things he's gone through in order to get to become the best surfer of all time. So I really appreciated reading the insight from Kelly about his relationship with his father, growing up, um, getting on the tour, a couple of the babes that he has dated. And it's just really cool because I feel like people are very quick to judge Kelly, but they don't really know his life unless you've read this book. It gives you a lot of really good insights. So thank you for that entertaining moment. Moving on to my number two book from Quarantine. This one is also long awaited and long overdue for me to read. It's called The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Album. 
finally got around to reading this book and it felt kind of like reading a Tim Burton film. It's very visual, very descriptive, very thought provoking. And you know me, I love that because my imagination just goes wild. I envisioned all these characters that he wrote and it was great, even though it's a somewhat morbid subject matter of death and heaven. And yes, that could be controversial. Uh, I think there's a lot of really good life lessons to be learned in there about the way that we treat people when we are alive and when we look back at our lives. Are we proud of the things we've done, the people we've met, the impact we've left? Good question. Thank you for that book. And number one on my book list is entitled Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, Eat Your Heart Out. But when it comes to creativity, she's a boss, okay? I don't read too many self-help book style things, but this one, you gotta add to your quiver. It is all about creativity, inspiration, and the process of capturing both of those crazy enigmas. So she literally gives creativity wings and imagines it as if it was some sort of thing coming to visit you. And if you don't grab onto it, guess what? Someone else is going to grab onto it. Or guess what? It'll be gone quicker than you know. After I read this book, I'll tell you, I was feeling inspired. I started making those Instagram goof dog videos and I had a pretty good run with those. You know, obviously a lot of shit happened in the world. I had to take a break because I read the room and said, this is not the right time for these goof dog videos. Um, maybe I'll bring them back. But let me just tell you, this book is super inspiring. If you want to learn more about creativity, check it out. Highly recommend. Thank you. And those are my top three books from quarantine. Honorable mention is this book entitled Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I'm sure a lot of you have heard about it and it's a good book and the story is great because it weaves between kind of two storylines, but it is rather long, hard and thick. That's what someone said. But honestly, if you don't have a baseline level about philosophy, this book might go in one ear, out the other, through your eyeballs and over your head. Because this dude, Phaedrus, if that's how you say it, he just keeps rambling on about quality and the two ways of thinking, which are classical thinking and romantic thinking, which I really loved that because I related it back to video editing. I think that romantic thinking can be linked with like creativity and storytelling. Classical thinking is more scientific. So with editing that comes to your sequence settings, your export settings, your drop frame, blah, blah, blah. I'm not very good at that shit. But I thought that was kind of cool to piece two things together. Honestly, if you have the patience for this book, I would recommend it. If you do not, it feels like an ADHD test. I don't know if you guys took that test where you got to sit in front of a screen and click a mouse every time like a white dot appears or something. This book started feeling like that. Maybe I'll pick it up again and give it another shot, which I've already tried five times. But all in all, there's some good lessons. And if you have the patience, check it out. Those are my top three favorite books from quarantine. Nerd. Okay, now on to the health and food section. I forgot to mention to you guys that uh, big news. 
I got engaged this year to pizza because that is what was sure to cure my quarantine woes. I was all about the za. So instead of learning how to make sourdough, I was driving around town in Los Angeles trying all of the za. Normally, I tend to prefer a Neapolitan style pizza. So my baseline for this top five list is a margarita pizza, sometimes with peps if I was feeling a little loose. You guys know me, I am obsessed with pizza. I even have a freaking giraffe tattoo on my leg with pizza slices. So without further ado, here are my top five favorite pizzas in LA. Say that five times fast. Starting at number five with locations in Santa Monica and Hollywood, this is Stella Barra Pizzeria. Used to live above it and I would smell them making that pizza every day. Oof, very good pizza, even better chocolate chip cookies. Oh my goodness, let me tell you. Number four, South End in Venice. This is a very good pizza spot with really good wines and I would chalk it up as one of the best low-key, low-pro date spots in Venice. I do not know what they're doing now since COVID, but pre-COVID, BC, before COVID, this place was a great date spot with even better pizza. Number three on my list is Elio's Wood Fire Pizza. This is a dude making Neapolitan style pizzas out of a truck in Silver Lake. Finally, he's back on Sunset. He was in Hollywood for a while, but now he's just chucking these things out and they are yum, 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 yum. Number two for me is DeSano Pizzeria. Shout out Fred Dog for letting me know about this spot. It's located in Hollywood and you know it's legit because it is certified by the Associazione Verace Pizza Neapolitana, which I totally botched, but that is an actual thing. It's basically like a um, group of Italians who started this club or they started this organization that approves or disproves of validity of the way that people make their Neapolitan style pizza. There actually are rules behind it. They have the San Marzano tomatoes, they have the fresh mozzarella, they have the basil and the way that they cook it, the water, the dough. I've done my research and this place is super legit. But let me get to number one, please, sir. Thank you. Number one, my favorite pizza in LA from living there for 14 years is hands down Hail Mary Pizza. This is in Atwater Village, just a little bit away from Silver Lake. And let me just straight up say this place farks, dude. Farks, dude. The pizza is phenomenal. It's super fresh ingredients, smooth sauce, classic mozzarella cheese, and a crust that is somewhat chewy with a slightly leopard char. Another thing, you can get this margarita pizza for 10 bucks. Where other places are charging like 20 bucks for this crafty pizza, Hail Mary Pizza only charges $10 for margaritas and it is one of the best pizzas I've ever had, certainly in LA. It's hard to compete in the world because I do have a huge favorite in Melbourne, Australia, mate. It's a place called Laser Pig. They've got margarita pizza, they've got margarita drinks, and they have disco and techno DJs blasting. But honestly, if I had to chalk it up, Hail Mary, oh, 
takes the cake, it takes the pie. Thank you for the za. Thank you, za lords. Those are my top fave favorite. <laughs> Those are my top five favorite pizzas in LA. You got something better? Go ahead and at me. I'm ready to try it. Send it out to me. I love taking pizza recommendations. And if I botched this, speak your mind. Let me know if I blew it. Okay, speaking of things that fark, I've got a new guest I'm about to call up on the show. You guys definitely probably know him from some of the videos I've made, but let's just say he's a pretty metal dude. Anyhow, we're gonna chat fantasy surfing, baby. And the WSL has just announced that the 2021 season has been called on. Starting with the women at Maui, the men at Pipeline, the year begins right here in Hawaii. It is set to end and decide the world titles on their inaugural WSL Finals Day event at Lower Trestles in San Clemente, California. In addition, they've added Sunset Beach and Santa Cruz Steamer Lane. Shout out to all my banana slugs. I was a banana slug for one year and uh, the locals did not really like slugs. Eastside, Westside, Santa Cruz, shout out. But uh, they've added Sunset Beach and Santa Cruz as both CT events for the men and women to their lineup. No word yet about anything regarding fantasy surfing, but let's call up a past champion, a kind of metal dude, and see his thoughts on the recent additions. Mental Minutes with Metal Meathead. Hello, is this Metal Mahosler? Is this a bill collector? No, sir, you're live on the Frothcast. How you oh, doing? Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got me with my hands down on that one. Are you feeling metal? I'm feeling so metal. I'm ready to do this. Word on the street is you're a past fantasy champ, and we want to get that insight, dude. Word on the street's correct. I'm also Brad Pitt's stunt double. <laughs> Only for the lovemaking scenes. Fair enough. Well, when you're not doing the horizontal mambo, how can you help us with this fantasy surf game? All right, let's do a deep dive on my uncanny knack of picking winners, you losers. You have to take every event and separate it out like it's its own dinner course. And you want to have a feast, a feast of victories, correct? Am I wrong? Are you talking about dinner course or intercourse? I'm talking about putting together a complete menu. So in layman's terms? You want to go back and see their past results there. You want to see their barrel dodger. You want to pick somebody who has the ability to thread the needle to victory, to pull it steep and deep. You know, somebody like a John John Florence, a Gabriel Medina, you know, one of those cats. WSL just announced that they're throwing your Loke Dog location, San Clemente, into the mix next year to decide the title. What do you think about that, Jimbo? Wow, talk about a dessert. I know we've been talking about food, and I know you guys think I'm chunky. I'm not. It's my fat suit that I wear all the time. But wow, sir. I mean, that's the cherry on top, isn't it? You've got lower trestles. You've got beautiful Southern California. The proximity to Hollywood. Maybe some celebrities will come down and hang out during the finals. Who knows? That's going to be a, quite a showdown. It's going to be the skate park of surfing when the waves are ripping. But goddamn if it sucks out there and the world champion is, is decided in two-foot shitty lowers. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to find my name is Jeff. myself and fucking do a roundhouse kick 
right across his face. Oh my god. Just kidding. Don't don't call the cops on me. Okay, I know this is finals day, but theoretically, if you could pick two Loke Dog wild cards, I'm going with Joe Cremo, Face Tat Ledge Dog, and Archie, Faster Than You Know. Who would you pick? Jeez, man. Uh, my top two wild cards are Bofa, these Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just uh, leave us with a nice little Loke Dog story so that the viewers might know what they're getting themselves into when they watch this San Clemente event. Well, I remember I was down there one time with the famous Justin Madison, and he was about to get into a fist fight with some other guy at the beach who I was kind of friends with, but he's kind of a douchebag too, so I kind of wanted Justin to punch him in the face, but I just couldn't film them punching each other in the face. I felt weird. I know I'm metal, but I actually do have a heart deep down inside, and I broke up the fight. I said, come on, guys, you got to stop. <laughs> you can't beat each other up here on the beach. You yourself have a surf school where you teach random newbies to go surfing. And I, apparently one of the guests had said that you went aggro on them and said, Teethy, go bye-bye as they were talking trash to you. What's that all about? Um, I've been known to have a little bit of a temper <laughs> in the lineup. When people are assholes, I can go from zero to Satan real fast. And I don't like doing that, but at Trestles, there's, there can be a lot of kooks down there. So sometimes you got to let them know that you're, you're, you're willing to go TT bye-bye on them. But um, I don't do that anymore. I, I'm, a, I'm a lover. You are definitely one loke dog I would never cross. And we appreciate your time, insight, and your pure raw metalness. Hey, can I leave you with one thing? Yes. If you're looking for a tight jean wearing hipster douchebag perspective, you've come to the wrong place. Plus, you're a little bitch. If you want chunky wisdom, you come back to Metal Mehan, and I'll share what I know, and we'll, we'll capture the title together. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be sure to be calling you again next time on Metal Mental Minutes with Metal Mehan. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun, and guess what? We have come to the listener questions segment, and I've been having a lot of fun with you fools. So I'm going to be totally transparent here and say most of these questions are from August of 2018. You ask, I answer, no matter how long it's been, I'm ready to chat with you guys and answer these questions. Let's go. Okay, first question is from at the Green Room Times. If you don't know the Green Room Times on Instagram, you gotta go check them out. They are a surf satire comedy based meme Instagram account that uh, they used to do some write-ups on Stab and they post a lot of really funny stuff. It's lighthearted, take it with a grain of salt. They are an anonymous account. I'm still not sure who he or she is, but they were quite influential in my quarantine time as they sent me some videos of classic surf videos like Morning of the Earth and the Occumentary and a few others that really helped me get through. Anyhow, the Green Room Times asks, what are the greatest things you've seen in the Nerd Cave that never made it slash wasn't allowed to go on the WSL live stream? Interesting question, my friend. Um, 
It really throwing me under the bus here. Just kidding. Uh, honestly, I can't think of anything like super gnarly or anything too racy that wasn't allowed to go onto the webcast. I don't have a lot of people saying, don't do that. You know, it's not really like that in the nerd cave. Obviously, there's always surfers, mainly men who break their boards after heats. I would love to see a chick smash a board after her heat. If you have a clip of that, send it my way. That's pretty badass. But uh, I remember one year in Portugal, Kelly was in the title hunt and he lost a heat and that took him out of world title contention. There are clips of him going into the locker room and smashing his board. I saw some clip where he just fully gaboozled the thing and uh, focused it, as skaters say. That, again, is no surprise. That can be found on the internet, but it was interesting to see Kelly react like that because he's a pretty chill, even-keeled zen master, and even his post-heat interview, I think he mentioned that he snapped his board um, another thing that comes to mind, obviously there was that little argument with, uh, Mikey Wright and Jesse Mendez. They had a little heated dispute after Jesse was sitting out the back at North Point for a while. And Mikey Wright just dropped straight in on him, got pitted, spitted and said, sorry, mate, I committed. And, uh, yeah, they definitely exchanged a few poking of their surfboard noses onto the dong. I'm pretty sure someone got a little dong hit. That did not feel good. Someone, I think there was some spit flying around. There were some pushes. Never ended up in a fight. They eventually made up. And again, this is no secret. That was online. I will tell you, some of the edits I did didn't make it on the live stream for some reason, but I think it's because they were pretty shitty. I don't know. I don't know. But shout out to my, uh, WSL media crew, shout out to the broadcast crew, the broadcast truck, the nerd cave, everybody from the WSL fam. I miss you guys. I miss the road. I miss just having this adventure and surfing some of the best waves in the world or sitting on the shoulder and watching people surf them. And uh, I just miss the good times. I look forward to when things get back to somewhat normal and looking forward to seeing everybody then. Thanks for the question, Green Room Times. Moving on to next question is from our buddy at Alden Milby. Shout out Brada Milbs. And Milby says, what do you do with your days? Good question, my friend, especially for 2020. If this was like during QT, like during the quarantine times, I'm going to say, you know, I was out of work. I was straight chilling. I've already mentioned it. I was binging a lot of Netflix. I don't watch TV a lot. So I started watching that show Ozark, more like Ofark. And dude, it was tripping my mind out. I started watching it. And while I was living in Silver Lake on Sunset Boulevard, Unfortunately, the homeless situation in LA is out of control. It's a really sad thing, and we'll get into that later, but I would be looking out my window after watching Ozark, and I would be seeing some activity of this possible homeless couple who may or may not have spread feces on my rental car, and let me tell you, that show Ozark, just it just tripped me out. I got paranoid. I was like watching them do some weird shit with crowbars, and like I don't, it's just I don't like watching shows like Ozark and Stranger Things in the OA because they trip me out. They give me bad dreams, especially if you watch me before night. Don't do it. So, Milby, during the quarantine, I watched too much TV. That was not good. Again, I read some books. I went on a lot of walks. I finally learned how to cook a few things because being on tour, uh, never I never really had the opportunity to learn to cook things. So, I made some pretty shitty Brussels sprouts, whatever, and a couple other items. Actually, I made a pretty good garlic pasta. That was nice, but honestly, wouldn't make it for anyone. 
But now that I'm in Hawaii, Milby, um, and life is pretty good, I'm very grateful to be here. I make sure that I take advantage of all these beautiful days. As you know, I'm a lover of long walks on the beach. I do that every morning, every night. I go surfing. The waves have been pretty fun. The first week I've been here um, trying to eat healthy. I was on that smoothie program for a while. You know I'm all about that lemon water. I can give you a full breakdown of my day if you want from 6.15 when I wake up, 6.20 when I get my lemon water, 6.25 when I drink my coffee. But nobody wants to hear that shit. Anyhow, Milby, I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you very much for the question. Moving on to the next question. This is the artist formerly known as at Surf Heater. I believe they are now at Lemore Surfing Club or they have another account that's a fantasy surf. I will put it in the show notes. I forgot the name of it, but they ask what Nerd Cave location is your favorite? That's kind of a tough question because I love them all. If I'm at a Nerd Cave, it means I'm somewhere cool in the world. It means I'm working. I'm with some friends. But I got to say, I personally prefer the nerd caves that are in the mix, in the mix, in the mix, you know, with the people. I'm a I'm a man of the people, you know, so there were some events like Brazil when we were down there at Baja de Tijuca. We were straight up on the beach. Our nerd cave window looked straight into the waves. We could see people playing soccer. There was people selling acai. There was bundas on the beach. The crowd was going apeshit. And I was in the nerd cave for once. I could finally see what was going on. That was a phenomenal nerd cave. Also comes to mind is when we did the Uluwatu event in Bali. Again, of course, that's one of my favorite waves. But when we ran that event, it was to make up for those heats that we lost in Margaret River. So the production crew was kind of smaller and we were all together in one room just above the stairs at Uluwatu, like right when you walk into Singlefin. And it was rad because normally the nerd cave is separated from the production truck, from the other teams that are working. And during that event, we were all together. So at the end of the event, when the final came around, we were all really excited. When we finally went off air, there was a little there was a little slow clap that happened and it was just cool to be a part of that. If you were lucky enough during that event, you could sneak out for a quick little check of the surf, people outside drinking bintangs, a lot of Myrtle Bees in Uluwatu, as you know, a uh, great place to DJ, great place to surf, and a great place to have an event. Do you guys think we should have more events at left-hand point breaks? Me being a goofy footer, I say yes. What comes to mind? Obviously, Ulu's, Raglan, Chile, Peru. Do you remember freaking Ryan Birch ripping that left-hand point break? Imagine the CT surfers surfing that. That would be sick. Anyhow, shout out to my goof troop and thanks at Lee Moore Surfing Club for the question. Next question is from the homie at Boom Shakalaka. And she says, when will I get barreled? Shout out, Boom. Alex, you little New York mert. Well, Alex, let me tell you, I believe in you. You've been surfing so well lately and you have progressed a lot. I believe you can get barreled. If you haven't already, I'm sure you have because this question was like two years old. And to be totally honest, I don't even remember how long it took me to get barreled, but surfing is one of the slowest and longest learning curves of all time. You imagine it takes like two years to go down the line, another year to do a floater. So getting barreled for me, hell, I don't even know if I still have when I look at kids these days and the pros when they're getting fully shocked at waves of consequence. 
I don't know if I've gotten barrel. I mean, I know I have, but nothing compared to that. So boom, I would say practice patience, but once you do get inside of that thing, oh my goodness, there is no better feeling. Am I right there, Jimbo? You are being covered by water. I mean, what a trip. Mother Nature is covering you. You're, you're like in this cavern thing. You're pumping your life off. You have a little nerve turd growing turtle poking its head out because if you're anything like me, you're overanalyzing and thinking about the reef, thinking about the lip, thinking about hopefully coming out. And if you do come out, oh my goodness, what a feeling. You come out and you say, wow, this is life. That's pretty cool. So to all those who have not gotten barreled yet, keep practicing, it'll happen. Boom, I believe in you. I'll say that to myself too. Keep practicing, I believe in myself. Maybe do a little positive affirmations. Okay, next question is from Aussie Mate at James Billing Photography. He says, in the US of I, what is the current average price per liter of organic fresh pressed coom? <laughs> If you recall my episode back with Vice Rizzler, we were talking about fresh pressed coom. You can check that out there. And he continues to say, here in old Stryamite, it's an outrage. A mate of mine, old mash dogs, tells me he's now distilling cage-fed fletch juice in order to extract the coom. Has the manta ray milk community experienced the same blowout in prices. <laughs> Good Lord, my friend, James Billing. Um, phenomenal questions. And I have to say, I did some deep dives on manatee milk recently. And let me tell you, they were not being spa fed as they previously stated. So now instead of advocating for people to shelf manatee milk, now I'm advocating for the rights of the manatees. One, they must have a spa day before they are milk. They must have a facial, mani-pedi, maybe a velvet cake. They must have maybe a nice cortado. They might have some bubbly. I demand these things for the manatees. They got to be spa fed. They need a spa day before any kind of milking occurs. You know, that's another story. Maybe we'll do a little undercover investigative journalist story about that at some point. But have the prices surged? I don't know about the manatee milk prices, my friend, but let me tell you, prices have surged in the US for surfboards, skateboards, roller skates, and bikes, and a lot more people are surfing. So uh, I do welcome all kinds of surfers from all walks of life. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the addiction. But please do um, pay a little respects when you're out there surfing. Learn the etiquette. I was at PB at my old break when I was a grom, and this is recently, I think it was August, I was at Crystal Pier. There's close to like 100 to 200 people out dropping in on me left and right. I had to keep my zen. I had to meditate. I had to keep my cool because you did not want to see me go metal. But um, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going surfing for the first time, look left, look right. Just like crossing a street, make sure nobody else is on the wave and just Pay a little bit of respects. That's good to see. I'm happy to teach etiquette if uh, you guys need that. Anyways, thanks for the question, James Billing. And thank you all for listening. If you got more questions for me, you can find me on Instagrizzler at Hendo underscore froth or at the frothcast. Send us your questions. I'm happy to answer. I love doing that. It's always a good time. All right, my friends, this is where I say goodbye. And if you liked listening to this podcast, 
please rate and review it on iTunes and give us a little shout. There's somebody on there who gave me one review. They go by the name Tubular Tim. <laughs> and that review made my day. I will tell you, I'm really trying to be more on top of this along with my mixtapes. I really appreciate all the people reaching out and saying that we need these mixtapes and podcasts to keep us going. It was a tough couple of months, but uh, I'm feeling re-inspired and I'm hoping to stay on top of this. Thank you guys so much for listening and for the kind words. And now to send us off, here is a little refroth I made a few years ago. It's called Lime Angel Eyes Hendo Refroth. Aloha, wasabi, hello, goodbye, what is up? Thank you for listening, much love. Hendo, out, bye. Once again, this episode is brought to you by my homies over at the Ampall Creative. They're giving Frothcast listeners 20% off your next purchase. Are you kidding? Head over to theampallcreative.com, that's A-M-P-A-L, and just type in all caps, Frothcast20, and you're gonna get 20% off hats, socks, they got stickers. Their hats are of the utmost best quality. There's none like them, they fit really well. If you got a big head like me, I've been reading so many books. My brother was like, dude, have you grown? I was like, no man, my head has grown. So if you have a big head from reading books, these Ampol hats are perfect fit. They also have hats for small heads. They have beanies for babies. They got beanie babies, but go check them out. They're gonna give you 20% off. TheAmpolCreative.com, promo code FROTHCAST20. 